Hi, Pastor Greg here. I am the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Montana. You are listening to the live Sunday service that streams most Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you would like to listen to past broadcasts, you can find us at www.agjordanmt.com. You can find links for our live broadcast as well as links to past broadcasts. Look for Jordan Assembly of God Church on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or Spotify. Or if you like to watch the service, you can follow the video links and subscribe to be notified when we go live. We are doing a series on both letters written to the Christians in Thessalonica called Thessalonians. So without further introduction, Thessalonians. We are in 1 Thessalonians part 5 and what matters in life. And so we have been going through Thessalonians and we have been learning about witnessing the gospel message with character, which is the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he is not the debater. He doesn't debate things. He actually, what is known as confutes, he actually brings down arguments. He brings down theories. He proves and points out errors of the world. And he also is the leader of all truth. He leads us into truth. And then also being witnesses of the gospel message through grace, which is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in our life. How God's grace works on us and how grace and how that grace molds us into that character, that type of person. And people see that reflection of what God is doing. And that that is kind of a choice. I always have that choice of whether or not to react in one way or to react the way I know God would want me to react. And every single time, God is always going to point you into reacting in the way that is going to allow you to minister either then or maybe later. Because how that person takes us, how that person sees us, how that person views us is going to very much determine their ability to be able to hear whatever message that we have to, to say. So... And then the last portion, which we learned last Sunday, which was allowing the effect to have an effect on our lives. An effect is an event. An effect is where there's a definition where we look upon something that is unnatural to me and mold ourselves after that. Just like in the examples I gave, it is not natural for me to love my enemies. It is not natural for me to forgive when I am wronged. It's not natural for me to respond in kindness when somebody is, is responding angrily with me. That's not natural, but that's exactly what God asks me to do. And that's exactly the kind of character that God is producing in me. So we're going to start out this morning in Ecclesiastes. In this title of what matters, what matters in life, what means something? What is, it, what is it all about when it's all said and done? And Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and I'm just going to actually go to verse 6 in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 
and it says, remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. And basically Solomon is basically that really digging into that mindset of before everything is all done, remember your creator. Before anything is shattered completely, remember your creator. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. And then in verse 8, which is very well known, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity meaning empty. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this day, and I want to thank you for this time. I pray, Lord God, that as we go into this message, as we go into this service, that our heart and minds will be open to you, and that we may worship you and honor you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. As I was going throughout the week, I came in into Saturday, and normally I have a pretty good idea of exactly what I'm preaching on or what I'm talking about and I get up in the morning and I still didn't have a clue I had no idea I knew the chapter that I was in and I knew what I was actually reading and I had been reading it and studying it and whatever and as I sat down um, something just hit me and, and the portion of Ecclesiastes just hit me and how Solomon was taking life and how important we feel that we do something that matters you know it I don't know about you but I'd really actually like to do something that matters I would really like to have something of purpose I would really like to have something of substance you know because you can do a lot of things in life and then it really you know if you go to work every single day and you have to leave the work or leave the job or whatever turns out you know there's another person to take your place you know you you do certain things and there's something else that is always more it's never seems like it's done and when the sum of everything comes to a conclusion with the sum of your life comes to it you really don't want to have it be hobble which is vanity it's the hebrew word for vanity empty and literally means unsatisfactory it didn't satisfy in any way shape or form and and another word for that in the greek is kenos which is vain which also means empty, but it also means devoid of truth. Devoid of truth. And so Solomon, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, he was coming down to the sum of his life after living his life, after doing all the things that he had done and after all those things, and he just came at it and he's like, it's, it's, it's vanity. And his statements near the end there and basically, it ends with the asking of the question, really, what is the purpose of life? And then the next slide, why are, you know, why are we here? Who or what really matters? Where is the substance to life? If everything that I do, if all the things that I have, if everything is gone, what is the substance of life? What makes something something for me?
And basically, Solomon put life and the substance for living for yourself in this life as unsatisfactory. So after all the searching, all the living, all the doing, completely empty. And in complete contrast to this, if you go over to 1 Thessalonians, and you're going to want to keep your hand in, in Ecclesiastes or put a bookmark in it because we will be popping back over there. But if you go over to 1 Thessalonians and in, and in chapter 2, the very first verse that Paul states, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. It was not empty. It was not devoid of truth. It was not devoid of substance. And that truth is the opposite of being empty. And then he continues on, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Notice that the struggles isn't, wasn't where the substance was. The suffering was not where the substance was. But we were bold in the ministry of God to you. Our sufferings and everything that we went through, that was nothing in comparison to the substance of the gospel of Christ to you. In verse 3, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. And those King James Version readers out there, I did not forget you because in the very next slide you will see it up there. In King James, it'll say deceit. And for deceit or in New King James Version, it'll say guile. It didn't come in fraudulent. It did not come immorally. It did not come by trickery. You know, those type of things, when we either do them, when we do them, they seem like maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you feel like you're getting away with something or, or you know, like you feel like you may be accomplishing something, but all of it is just emptiness when it is all done. When you have built up that deal, when you have said the things that you have said, if it does not have substance to it, then there is no point to the message. It needs to have substance, and that substance is found in Jesus. That substance is found in the gospel of Christ. It did not come. The gospel and the message did not come through deceit. It did not come through an error. It did not come through guile, and it did not come immorally. It came by the truth. And then in verses 4 through 6, he goes on, but as we have been approved, and this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is a witness. You will find those, those places or whatever of, of glorifying or, or making sure to indicate or name drop certain people, oh, we are being visited by or we are doing this or we are doing that or whatever. And it's like we, they didn't come saying, oh, I'm Paul 
And you know what? I studied underneath Gamaliel and I have all this knowledge. I'm Sylvanus and I have done all these things. I suffered at Philippi and I did all these things. No. They came and they ministered Jesus because that was the substance. That was the ministry. That was what matters in life. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Not seekers of glory or honor from other people. Did not need it. The testing came not from other people. The te- you would think that Philippi being beaten might be a thing. You would think that their experiences might be the thing. But that wasn't the thing. It was God that tests the hearts. It was God the one that actually walked them through. It was God that was their focus and their priority. It wasn't the things that they went through that were the importance. It was the message that they were given and giving were the importance. And in verse 7 through 12, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That the substance of truth showed love, compassion, and consideration. To have the substance of truth and walk in it. That was the substance. But we look at life and we say, I want purpose. I want to matter. I want to have to, to, to mean something to either some probably to somebody. I want to mean something. I want to know how I belong. How where do I fit in this world? Remember our questions. If the world had the answer, you wouldn't need self help. And I say that again. If the world had the answer, you wouldn't need the self-help guide because everybody would pretty much know the answer. You would just do this one thing and you would feel needed. You would feel like you meant something. You would feel like you have purpose. You would feel like you have identity. But the problem is, is that the world doesn't have your identity. There's only one place to... There's only one place to go for your identity, and it's found in Jesus. 
You may be thinking, if only I had riches. Well, Solomon had riches. If only I was not limited, I had no limitations in what I could do. Solomon had no limitations in what he could do. If only I was in control. If only I was king. Solomon was the one in control and he was the one that was king. As a matter of fact, other leaders would go to Solomon in order to get wisdom. That's how much leadership Solomon did. Other leaders would come to him. That's how much leadership. And what was the end all and be all? Nothing. Total emptiness. All the leadership, every single thing in life. He said, if you read Ecclesiastes, it's a good read. I'll, I, I, can, I can start it and finish it in one sentence, but, but you, can, you can read Ecclesiastes and you will find that Solomon held himself back from nothing. And in the end, it was nothing. You will always want more. You will always desire something more because that's what the world gives. It gives you just enough so that you want more. As one pastor put it, the world likes to tempt you right into the edge of destruction and then, may, and then, and then basically point and laugh at you when you fall over. Oh, isn't this the greatest thing ever? Oh my word, you weren't supposed to go that far. You weren't supposed to do that. That's horrid. How, how in the world did you do that? How did you make that mistake? How did you have too much? Emptiness. But in Ecclesiastes, like I said, I told you, so hopefully you put something in there. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to look up the conclusion. In verse 13 of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the conclusion. This was the conclusion of Solomon at the end of his life. What was the most important thing? What was the most what was the thing of substance to honor God? What was the most what was the thing of substance was to follow after him. Guess what? You follow after him by getting to know Jesus. Guess what? You follow after him by getting to know the son of God who has a spirit of God within you that witnesses to your spirit that you are a child of God and you follow after. You have the character that is being built within you. That, by the way, is not for you. That's for other people. Because they see the character with which God is in you and doing in you. And the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one that's supposed to be, be pointing out people's errors. Not, turns out, me. That's not my job. It's not my job to point out an error. It's not my job to actually make sure that people understand. It is my job to live and love. My job is to live for Jesus and to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love my neighbor as myself. 
Does that mean that sometimes I will go up and lovingly, notice the little term there, lovingly, go up to them and instruct and maybe help out or do something like that when I notice something? Sure, that is the loving thing to do in a very loving manner, in a loving timing and in a loving way, not in a rude way, not in a I'm pointing out all the errors in your life way, knowing that I myself am forgiven, knowing that I myself, sorry, knowing that I myself am a sinner, knowing that I myself am the one that is, that is operating by grace and only through grace can I live. So just as the grace has been given to me to live, I need to live that grace to and give that grace to other people. I need to allow the forgiveness that God gives to me to be reflected to the other people. It's about living that life. And Greg, you didn't answer that one question of to belong. Well, if you'll take a journey with me to John. You know me. I, I normally try to work John in at least once every single sermon. So, And in John 14, 1 through 2, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You have a place in the relationship with God. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, which is the substance. Because it turns out to know truth is to know Jesus, and to know Jesus is to know God, and to know God is to love him. That you might live. That you might have a life filled with substance, and that you might actually do things that matter. What did he say? Our coming to you was not in vain. It was not devoid of truth. It was not empty in any way. So our purpose, the purpose is to love God, to obey, which leads to loving others, which leads to life. What matters? Eternity matters. Eternity matters. What, what, what is the point of this world? The point of this world is to actually to deliver the message of Christ to other people, to learn to what it's like to live and to love other people, despite who they are, despite what they do. It's, you know what, here's the thing. You're like, well, there's, there's not much to that, Greg. I mean, you know, loving one another, that's no big deal. Yeah, except for that one little, that one little caveat to love your enemies. Oh, Greg, that's not too hard. Try watching the news. And learn to pray for those people. And pray for good things. Pray to encourage. Pray to build up. And for people that disagree with you, to encourage and to build up. 
Boy, that's a little bit different, isn't it? Oh, you mean, Greg, I shouldn't be standing, you know, like arguing and arguing and arguing? Uh Uh-uh, not really. It's not the purpose. Because really it turns out that if there's an error that needs to be pointed out, if there is something that is wrong that needs to be pointed out, turns out that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing in this world today. And that's exactly what that light is doing in this world today. The reason why the darkness has a problem with believers in Jesus Christ is not because of the person. It is because of who you represent. You shine a light into a dark area and darkness cannot handle the light because the darkness loves the darkness for their ways are evil. It's exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 3. Jesus says, I do not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Jesus never condemned the world. It is a decision to stay in the darkness that that the condemnation is. It is a decision to stay in that state. That's where the condemnation is. And we are shining a light into that area. What has meaning? Witnessing Jesus Christ. Because eternity is where it's at. To to belong to God through Christ Jesus, who's creating a place for you. We are here to witness Jesus Christ with character, with love, with the Holy Spirit. If you ask me what is your purpose, I'm going to say, if you think that this is simple, try it. Because you will find your entire life just focused on one thing, and that is concentrating on Jesus in all situations of your life. Keep on looking to Jesus. Keep following after Jesus. You know, it's in Sunday school, and I'll, I'll make this mention, and then we're going to move into communion. I'll make this mention, the fact that um, we were talking about Jesus walking on the water, and, and I, I wanted to note something, that when Jesus chose to get onto the water and walk walk on the water. The the storm, he never silenced the storm. If you do notice the fact that the storm was still raging on, as a matter of fact, the disciples were freaked out of their beloved minds. So I'm just saying that Jesus was walking on the storm and there's one portion of the scripture where they looked and they said, and they said, and he made as if to walk past the boat. He what his goal was the shore on the other side. It wasn't the boat. That was his goal. It was basically he was walking across the water through the midst of the storm, and the storm did not affect him. The storm had nothing to do with him, and he just walked, and he made as if to pass the boat, and it wasn't until they called out to him and whatever, that, and that whole entire thing with Peter and, and everything and trying to walk on the water and everything, that, that is one, and then as soon as he got into the boat, then the boat was immediately at the shore. But he made as if to pass the boat. In other words, if the situation in your life is so chaotic, you have to understand that God is not, God is not afraid of what was going on. God is not, is not afraid of what's happening. And if he's not as scared of the storm, 
Why are we? Let me put it a little bit pointed. Why do we watch the news with fear and trembling when God does not give us a spirit of fear, but he gives us a a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind? Why do we look at the things of the world with fear? I mean, sure, know what's going on and be concerned. Totally, we should be actually, totally be praying. We should be praying for our leaders. We should be praying for our our nation. We should be praying for the nations around. We should be praying for other people when it comes to these things. But absolutely positively, what you will find in the scriptures 365 times, anybody have that answer? Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Thinking if if Jesus put 365 times do not fear in the scripture verses, I'm thinking that it might be a little bit important because that means that you can read one of those verses for every single day of the year and then turn right around and start all over again. So what I'm saying is be educated, be aware. But don't let fear grip you. Because the Spirit of God, according to Jesus, is the one that will inform us of what is to come. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. So next week... We're going to be going in and heading into into part six, and we're going to be dealing with the title of it is Wrestling. So, hope you'll join for that. And now we're going to move into communion. Father, I want to thank you for this day, and I want to thank you for this time. I pray, Father, that we may honor you, Father, that we may allow you to change our hearts and minds, that we may live for you, and that we may be ministers and witnesses of you in character and love. And I pray, Father, that you be glorified. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. I hope that you enjoyed it. To follow along with this series, you can go to www.agjordanmt.com and following the links for current and past broadcasts. I hope that you have a wonderful day.